This message was recorded at North 2012, an event organised by Christ Central, part of New Frontiers. You can find out more about Christ Central by visiting our website, ChristCentralChurches.org. This weekend in the UK uh, was spent here in the mud last year. And uh, the following week, we, uh, the, the trucks arrived at our home and took all our, our furniture and stuff. And then we headed off to, uh, to Vancouver to uh, be involved in, in the church plant. So uh, it's great to be back a year later, uh, just processing a little bit of what's happened over the year. And so what we're going to do uh, in this session is just spend a bit of time really, I guess, telling you a little bit of our story and some of the things that have been uh, a part of that story. And uh, so really today's going to be pretty practical. Feel free to ask questions as we go. We will, we will at the end just give a bit of space for um, any questions that people do have. Uh, but um, I want to make it uh, uh, as practical and uh, useful to, to you as, as possible. So I, I guess it would just be helpful to know how many of you are involved in church plants at the moment? Okay, a number of you. Great. Okay. And how many of you are uh, considering church planting in the future? Okay, great. Fantastic. Excellent. So a good, a good, good number of us. Well, um, I, just, to, just to make a couple of comments before we kind of get into the, the mechanics of, uh, of uh, what's been happening with us and our story. The, um, just to say, I think in terms of church planting, uh, obviously we, we believe in church planting. We believe in church planting as a family of churches. And just to, to, to very briefly say, I think the reasons why we believe in church planting are, first of all, uh, just that it is the biblical model for the, uh, for this ex- this, the expansion of God's kingdom. And so in Acts, uh, throughout the New Testament, what we see is a uh, mission to different places where a church is established, and in that context, uh, a church grows, and then from that church, we find uh, expansion continuing. So the second thing is that the Great Commission uh, requires us not simply to make converts, but to make disciples. And disciples require long-term commitment. They require involving in people's lives. And so obviously this is how Jesus modeled it. He took uh, people and he he had them with him, obviously the 12, but more than just the 12. The 12 with him for three years. Others engaged in that process as well, lived with them. They saw every element of his life and, and, and developed things along with them. And so when they uh, went and uh, when the spirit fell and they began to uh, move in power beyond that, they did exactly the same. They set up the church in in Jerusalem. They then went to uh, Samaria and then we find them off to Antioch and from Antioch out to uh, uh, the the rest of the Roman uh, world, Paul planting with his team uh, out across Asia and uh, ultimately into Rome. And of course, Paul just writing to the Romans uh, towards the end of the letter, he says to them, uh, I'm coming to you to impart some spiritual gift to you you and, and, and that you might help me get to Spain. 
So he doesn't just want churches to be planted uh, to, to be a, a bastion for uh, God's work in the city themselves. He wants them to be those who then send mission from them. So church planting, I think, is key. It's part of the, com- the Great Commission. Uh, church is Jesus' bride. It's his body. It's what he died for. He's passionate about the church. And so we, uh, in the same way, are passionate to see the church go out. We, we're seeing uh, a wonderful sense, I think, among our, our families family of churches in terms of church planting. It's great been reading uh, some about the Moravians. And the Moravians said that they tithed, approx- they approximately tithed uh, to people to mission. So one in ten uh, of the Moravians, they, they reckon, uh, went out, out church planting and had a phenomenal impact uh, with those church plants. So, uh, so church planting, we believe in it. We think it's a great way for a multicultural uh, ministry. One of the beautiful benefits of church planting is that you can go to a nation, you can raise up indigenous leaders, and you can see indigenous leaders then go and plant churches. And uh, I think, again, there's a, 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 it's, a, it's, a, it's a God-given model that works. And so uh, we obviously want to invest heavily in that. So what we'd like to do is, Cezzy's uh, going to introduce uh, Rosie Gillum to you. Rosie was one of the um, people who was uh, involved in our church plant right at the beginning. And uh, so Cezzy's going to ask her some questions. Then backwards and forwards between Cezzy and I, we're just going to talk a little bit about our story and some of the pragmatics of that. Go for it, love. Cezzy's just saying I should pray. So let's do that. Father, we thank you so much that your presence is with us. We thank you, Father, for even the words that you've been speaking to us over this weekend so far. We thank you for that charge from Dave uh, D. this morning, speaking about, uh, about mission, going into other nations, reaching the cultures in this nation. God, we want to be those who take your commission seriously. Want to be those who are engaging with your heart and your passion for this nation. And so I want to ask you, O oh God, that you would pour out your spirit among us. I pray, Father, that you bring to life not just uh, practical things, but that you birth things in our hearts. I pray, Father, that today you would equip us in terms of faith and in terms of things that we can work out in practical reality in the weeks and months and years to come. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. Amen. Great. Before I introduce Rosie, just for those of you who don't know, um, Reese and I, uh, we are from South Africa originally, and we lived in England for 15 years in Bishop Stortford, which is about just south of Cambridge, and then we helped the Holloways and the Strouds plant a church into central London about eight years ago. And so, yeah, that's who we are. We've got two children, and they're sitting at the back, um, playing on their phones. <laughs> so Rosie um, actually didn't come with us to help plant the church. She, we found her in Vancouver. And um, so, Rosie, do you want to tell us why you were in Vancouver, what you were doing there, and a little bit about yourself? Yeah, um, I go to university in Edinburgh. And um, I study theology, and as part of that, as an optional year abroad. Um, so I thought, okay, um, it's good, good experience. My parents were like, you should, you should try, because there's no harm in trying. 
Um, and then I was like, okay, I'll try, but then where do I try for? Because um, you can literally go North America, South America, Australia, Europe. Um, and some, something said to me, Vancouver, quite early on. And I remember saying, okay, Vancouver is my first choice. And if I get in, which I'm like 95% won't get in, but if I do, then I'm going to accept it. And the other ones I applied for, I that I probably won't accept. Um, and then I got in. I remember phoning my mom and being like, Mom, I got into Vancouver. She's like, oh, no, now you've got to go. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, this t- it was literally this time last year, I was packing up about the same time as the Scots um, to head over to, uh, to Vancouver, to the University of British Columbia, to do my year of exchange. So, Rosie, what were you studying? And how long were you planning on being there for? Um, so I was studying theology, so I was just doing a year of religious studies. Um, and I was there for the academic year and ended up staying for another six weeks or so after term finished because I just couldn't bring myself to come home, pretty much. Um, yeah, now I'm back, back in the UK um, to finish my degree this year. So back to Edinburgh in a couple of weeks. Rosie, can you tell us uh, just one of your memories of um, the first few months of church planting um, and possibly how you found us? Um, yeah, so um, I found, we found the Scots. I, on my, I was living on campus and um, was a bit apprehensive about who I was living with because it was all completely done randomly and um, arrived in my house and... Um, saw a Philip Yancey book downstairs and I was like, oh, well, there are some Christians in my house. And they weren't actually living with me um, for the year, but they were staying because they were diff- like a connection. And um, these two girls are from South Africa and um, one of them, a few weeks in, was we were on the bus and she was like, oh, so I'm meeting this couple tomorrow that I just moved over here to church plant um, from South Africa originally and from, they've been living in London. And that kind of triggered something in me because we'd had a friend who'd lived with us in London who'd gone to Christchurch with the Scots and said, you've got to get in touch with them when you get out there. But she'd been quite slow in getting me in touch. Um, and we'd, we realised once, once Chloe had met them that they were the same people. Um, so we ended up just going around for supper with the Scots in um, a little one, one room, pretty much, of their apartment. Um, <laughs> Eden doesn't look very happy. Um, and... Um, that was how we met, and we were actually going to another church we'd found. Um, but I think soon the, there were four of us who were four Christians all on campus, and we realized that actually um, that being part of something new and exciting was something that we wanted for our year out there. Um, and, I, yeah, a memory I have would be probably the first time we met when they, they just moved into a bigger house, and um, there was no furniture at all, and we were sitting on plastic, those white plastic chairs you have in the garden. I think someone had donated them or like lent them, so there were about maybe like eight of us all sitting around these plastic chairs, um, basically just seeing, just praying and seeing what God had in store. Rosie, what would you say is um, the best thing that you can sort of? talk down to your experience of church planting, having been there for the sort of 10 months that you were? Um, What I loved loved about it was um, there was just, because it was, was, there were at the beginning, so like 
group room from about six, and then by the time I left, there were about 50 or 60. Um, so just that seeing within the space of eight months, goes like God's hand at work um, and what he was doing, which is really, just really exciting to be a part of that. Um, and I think also, though, because I was, uh, especially at the beginning, it was so small, it, was, it literally felt like, well, especially being so far from home, it, like, it became family immediately. And it was just really exciting to see that there, these are people that, like, in normal life, I might not necessarily be good friends with, but you were just, it was that, like, they were what we had kind of thing. So you just, you just were friends. It just felt like a real solid family. And always, as it grew, I was like, there's just not time to talk to everyone after church anymore. Whereas at the beginning, you knew exactly what was going on in the whole life of the church because that was just kind of where we were all at and we were all just, like, journeying on it together. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Thank you so much, Rosie. Cheers. Shall we give Rosie a hand? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so uh, we arrived. Our um, furniture, instead of taking six weeks to arrive, took three months. And uh, so the, uh, the house that we, where we first arrived, we moved into a little one-bed part- apartment, uh, which was extremely small. Our two kids were bouncing off the walls, and um, we, we kind of we managed it for six weeks. But the, prob- the real problem with it was that we couldn't actually fit anyone around the table. Uh, once you got four people in there, it was kind of like you felt like you were pretty much in each other's personal space. And uh, after six weeks, we moved into a, a house that had just been renovated, a, a rented place, which was great. But as I say, none of our furniture arrived. So we, the, the workmen very kindly left one of their workbenches. Uh, and they, they nailed a plank onto it for, uh, for a table. And uh, some generous people lent us some garden chairs. And so we had some garden chairs and we had a sleeping bag that we opened out in the lounge. And that kind of was our first uh, probably six weeks in the house. Uh, so it was all very basic. Of course, the advantage of that is that it really does feel like you're pioneering. It really does, you don't have any sort of, there's nothing comfortable particularly about this environment. It does feel like you're starting from scratch and uh, you're having to work it out. So uh, in terms of just, I think there are probably five particular things that we just wanted to talk about our experience of. Uh, The first is that we, the whole importance for us of uh, sort of taking a lead spiritually ourselves. And I think the first element of that uh, for us was faith. Uh, We had a huge faith challenge in getting to Vancouver. Once we'd decided that God had spoken to us about planting into Vancouver, we, uh, in January 2011, we stood uh, in front of our church in London and we said, we feel like God's called us to church plant and uh, into Vancouver. We didn't have visas at the time. We didn't have a team and we didn't have any money. And uh, so we, we knew that we faced a huge uphill battle. On, on, on top of that, we uh, needed to sell our house in London. And, uh, of course, we all know what the economy has been like uh, over the last while. So we had some real faith challenges. And, and actually, the house uh, challenge was a, was a particular, particularly different, difficult one for us. We, we flew, uh, well, we, just before we were due to fly to Vancouver, we began to wrestle through uh, the house still has sold. It's been on the market for a number of months. Uh, do we need to stay in the UK or should we go? Eventually we decided there was no particular use in us staying in the UK. We just needed to, to leave the house to sell. And uh, we left, came over uh, to Vancouver and, uh, and, 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 and things like that really get you praying, don't they? 
Um, so we were praying hard about the house and uh, we knew that our money in terms of being able to pay rent in Vancouver and mortgage in London uh, was going to run out in January. And um, the closer we got to January, <laughs> the more we prayed. And uh, in January, our house sale completed. So uh, God was very good to us, but it was a huge faith journey. And I think that there's that continual question of wrestling with the what if. What if this doesn't work out? What if this thing unravels? Uh, you know, how will that impact our church plot? How will that impact our family? How will that impact all of these things? And, and just knowing that day after day, needing to come to God and say, no, we trust you that you are gonna, you called us here. We know that's really, we know that's clear, and therefore we know that you will provide. And so the whole faith walk for us has been really significant. Getting, uh, God was very good to us in terms of a team developing, finances coming together, us getting a visa in through the guys in Fredericton, a few of our friends from Fredericton who are here today. And, and so God has been very uh, good to us in terms of that whole side of things coming together. I think the truth is that you don't just have faith battles as you go. You have continuing ongoing faith challenges. And so the one that we're facing right now is that we have decided to put the whole church through Alpha. Uh, we're launching Alpha this coming term. We're putting the whole church through Alpha. It's, uh, we, we've found a great little venue. Uh, it's sort of an Italian coffee shop come. Uh, it's, it's really funky down in downtown. We want a neutral venue. We want something that our, friend, that our, our church members will feel like, I can bring my friend to this. And uh, we're putting the whole church through. And financially, that's a, it's a huge hit. But what we are saying is we're setting out our stall as a church that sees salvation in its DNA. And so we're saying, no, we're going for this. And uh, so I, I think there is a, a sense where we continue to, faith, uh, to face faith challenges. And we will continue to face faith challenges. This won't be the last one. There'll be another one that comes in January, I'm sure. So faith has been, and, and particularly for Sezi and I, that has, this is where it has rested, uh, is that when we have the, the whole question of faith challenges has really rested between the two of us. We have had to go to God together day after day. And so prayer is the second element of this whole sense of taking a lead personally. Uh, one of the things that we've built into our lives over the last few years is a, uh, is a, um, I guess just a commitment to pray uh, at the beginning of every day together. And so our normal routine is to spend an hour, uh, sometimes a bit more, uh, so occasionally less, but we would, we would try to be fairly disciplined in that. Uh, just an hour at the beginning of every day, praying together, bringing all the different things that we're trusting God for uh, before him. And uh, God has answered prayer after prayer after prayer. So, for example... Um, when we, we, uh, we started kind of meetings around the end of October, beginning of November, uh, just praying together in our house, began to meet on a Sunday. By the end of January, it was clear that we could not uh, continue meeting in our house. We, we were getting, I guess, around 25 people at that stage. We had people sitting up the stairs, uh, and there just wasn't room enough uh, for any, any more people in the house. And so... Uh, 
as we'd been down in Yaletown, we were very clear that God had called us to plant a city church, a church for the city right in the middle of downtown. And Yaletown is brilliant for that. If you, if you stand in Yaletown and you look around, you just see apartment block after apartment block full, uh, thousands upon thousands of apartments uh, with people living in them. So we're, we're in a brilliant area. And uh, so walking in this area, uh, we found this community center called the Roundhouse. Now, um, uh, we looked at it. We thought this would be brilliant for the church plant. Went and said to them, we'd like to rent the venue. They said, well, actually, we're, we're part of the city of Vancouver. We don't do religious groups. Which seemed a bit strange, considering that when you read their program, uh, it was all yoga and uh, Buddhist this and, uh, you know, spiritual healing that. And uh, so clearly they did religious stuff, just not Christian religious stuff. And uh, so uh, we went home and we prayed. And then Sezi and I went back. And we said, we'd like to rent the, bill, the venue. And they said, uh, uh, no, sorry, we, you know, that's not going to be possible. And we went home and we prayed again. And then we went back a third time and we said, we'd like to rent the venue on this day, to that day. And they said, yeah, sure. Uh, here's, here's, the here's the details for it. So God was really faithful to us. Now, the, the subtext to that story is that actually... We, um, uh, a year before that, or more than, yeah, a year before that in Fredericton, we had a prophetic word given to us. And uh, the prophetic word was, came in the form of a picture uh, of us being on a steam train that was going from the UK uh, and over the Atlantic, over Canada, uh, and into uh, Vancouver. And as it was going over the Atlantic, over Canada, people were coming on board, becoming part of our team. And, uh, and, and the prophetic word was, uh, when you arrive in Vancouver, there will be a station ready for you. And... Um, and, uh, and then the guy stopped and he said, and, and actually, you know, this may sound really weird, but I feel like the word steam is going to be in the name of your venue. Um, and uh, so, so the roundhouse basically was the first railway station at the end of the Pan-Canadian railway line. So, uh, so, so the first... Uh, well, in, in fact, up until fairly recently, until the 60s, uh, all the trains that came into Vancouver came to the round, roundhouse. And the roundhouse was where they would turn the, the engines around, turn the trains around, replenish them all and send them off back across Canada. And uh, so, so the word steam isn't in our name, but we do have the first ever steam engine in the building where we meet. So I was on holiday, or we were on holiday, uh, in April this year, and I was reading through some of the prophetic words that God had given us. I suddenly saw this prophetic word, thought, this is amazing. Look, God knew about this building. Of course, he knew about it, but he had promised us that building from before we even knew about what that building was. Now, I've had three guys say to me, how did you get the roundhouse? We tried to get the roundhouse for our church plants, and we could not get in. One of the guys even volunteered for them and still couldn't get in there. So God's been really good to us answering prayer. The third thing on a personal note in terms of uh, taking a lead personally is, is that I think we have found the importance of pressing through uh, disappointment. Uh, there's lots of... Uh, church planting is a roller coaster. I think anyone who's on a church plant at the moment, you know it's a roller coaster. There, you, there are moments where you come home and you're just like, this. What, that was the best day ever. We saw someone commit to being part of the team or we, we had a conversation that moved someone on in terms of the spirit or 
someone took a step in terms of faith or whatever it was, and you think, yes, we're making progress. And then there are also those times where you have someone that you've invested in hugely, and it's like they, they don't come through. And, and so for us, one of those particular uh, instances was a young guy that I had invested a huge amount of time in, uh, spending time talking with him, bringing him through. It seemed like he was really beginning to move in God, beginning to see him taking some responsibility among our folk, and even one day leading worship. And, uh, but then two weeks uh, w- within this, this day where he led worship, we, uh, he was pretty much totally out of the scene and uh, hugely disappointing. And uh, we've wrestled with God over that. Now we're, we're still praying. God, bring him back. Come on, Lord. Make him a trophy of your grace in this place. And I think there is a reality to which we trust God to make changes in people's lives, but we can't make them ourselves. And you just have to trust God with that. And sometimes that means that you have to, you deal with disappointment and you have to press through it. You have to say, okay, well, we keep going. Even though that didn't happen in the way we'd thought it was going to happen and the way we were hoping, well, we thought he'd come through into leadership. No, it hasn't happened. We just keep pressing on. Do you want to take us on the next? So the next sort of major point that uh, we felt we should talk about is the the aspect of building intentionally. Um, and I think, firstly, uh, we wanted to build a church that had really deep and real relationships. And so one of our goals has been to build a community where people genuinely find friendship and a sense of family. And so we've had a number of different socials happening throughout the life of the church. Um, But before socials can happen, people need to connect with each other. And so we have, we've taken the approach of just saying, well, the first place they can connect is around our dining room table. So I think that has, that has sort of been the hub of, of people finding one another and connecting and building those initial relationships. And in the first sort of six months, we didn't, we didn't have a car because we hadn't sold the house, so there wasn't going to be a car. Um, and so it was going to the grocery store um, every day to buy the groceries and feeling like a student again at the age of 40, backpacking home with the groceries and the umbrella and it really rains. It's a rainforest in Vancouver. So it's the umbrella and it's the bag and it's the backpack. And um, twice a week the kids and Reese would come with me and every other day I'd go on my own just to have enough groceries to feed the 30 people on a Sunday. And then during the week we soon started two small groups. And we found that just, um, yeah, those small groups we've, we've based around meals, uh, sort of 15 in each group, Tuesdays and Wednesday nights, and eating together. People somehow, I think the, the barriers come down much more quickly when you just do normal things together. And people feel like they, oh, these people are normal. They have normal conversations. They've got a normal life. You know, they've got children and sometimes the children don't always do what they should. And, you know, it's not some sort of perfect, um, ideal. It's, it's real life. And so there's a real sense of connection, I think, that happens um, just in the home and around the, the dining room table. So I think that's been a, a, a hospitality has been a key part for us of building. And we're starting to see the fruit of that now in terms of 
of the genuine sense of community that there is. And people keep commenting on that to us. And it's such a blessing that actually those roots are going deep. And we're seeing it now replicated by other people. So after church on a Sunday, when we're unable to go to the park, which we generally do, and barbecue together, um, people are inviting friends over to their place for a meal or whatever. And so other people are beginning to take the initiative recognizing that when you church plant, you are modeling something. And whatever you put in at the beginning genuinely does create the, D- the DNA. And um, so if you can, even though it, it feels like a high cost um, to be hosting a lot, um, it really, really pays off in the long run. I mean, we're, what, a year now? It's not the long run. But even just the small fruit that we've seen in other people's lives and the way that they're beginning to replicate, it's, it's just very exciting. So um, I think the next thing is just taking every opportunity in terms of building intentionally. And so um, Reese has got a funny story to tell on this one. So... Um the um, d- one of the things that we've done is we have just followed up every possible contact. And when we've run out of contacts, I've sat down at my computer and I've gone through every email that I've had, every correspondence I've had with anyone, and I've re- restarted it. Or I- I've just looked for every possible opportunity, every person who's come through uh, the, uh, the email or whatever we've invited them over for dinner. And uh, one of the funny stories about this is that uh, uh, early in, in August last year, before we'd actually arrived in, uh, in Vancouver, we had a little website going, and um, I had an email from a girl called Chloe uh, saying, I'd like to come to your church on Sunday. So I emailed her back and said, well, we're not actually in Vancouver yet, but as soon as we get there, I'll email you and we can meet up. So we arrived in Vancouver that week, emailed her, said, come on over for lunch, and she came over, and uh, I said, uh, so, Chloe, where are you from? Oh, I'm from South Africa. Yeah, where in South Africa? I'm from just outside Durban. Oh, really? Where outside Durban? Oh, I'm from a little town from Kloof. You're kidding. What road? Well, I'm from a road called Haygarth Road. No way. What number Haygarth Road? 74. Well, I grew up at number 94, Haygarth Road, Kloof, South Africa. And so it was one of those little moments where you think, God has made a connection here that we could not have actually made. And, and it was through that connection that Rosie ended up coming along. I, I'm sure she would have connected in through uh, this friend from London, uh, potentially. But, but it was through uh, Chloe's uh, connection with us initially that blossomed into a group of students. And uh, those guys have been very much a part of what has been building uh, in our team right from the start. Okay, thanks, Eve. So I guess in, in terms of that, just we recognize that we, God is sovereign in terms of who he brings to you. And although you might look at the people that God is bringing and thinking, oh, they're only going to be here for three months or four months or eight months or whatever it is, is it really worth investing in your, in your sort of humanness? You're like, oh, should we invest? Actually, um, you know, we, we recognize that Invest in the people God is giving you because even if they don't stay, 
they're part of the kingdom of God wherever they go. And it's been a privilege to be able to invest in their lives, whether you benefit from that or whether somebody else does. It's all part of the kingdom of God. And so, and it's really paid off. I mean, there are other ways that it pays off and it blesses you as well. So, um, the third thing, uh, yeah, the fourth thing um, that we have done in terms of building intentionally is to establish firm foundations. So, I referred to small groups during the week. Very soon after we felt like we had a number of people coming, we decided to start a foundations group. And um, we ran those over the two nights, Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And we used Terry Virgo's book called uh, Spiritful Church as the material. And we bought 30 books and we handed them out. Most of the people that um, are part of our church plant have absolutely no idea what New Frontiers is and are either charismaniac or, you know, just cessationist and don't even believe in the Holy Spirit. So, oh, for today, sorry, <laughs> if anyone's listening. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, just having that material has blessed us so much. I think we're so privileged to have that handbook now because that's what it is. And what it's created for us is a third voice in the room. So instead of having Reese saying, Word and Spirit, Graceful Church, you know, every Sunday or whatever it is, there's been, Terry's been in the room saying, Word and Spirit, this is why we believe these things. And you can become the facilitator instead of the communicator. And I think that's really benefited us. So just to say, that book has been such a blessing to us. And we, Just to say, we, I have been saying that on a Sunday, but it's useful mm-hmm. to have on in the midweek, Terry speaking. So just, to, just we have been giving those messages ourselves, but also <laughs> having that course, resource has been useful. <laughs> so, um, and so finally, um, in terms of being intentional, the importance of being missional. Um, from the start and also getting that into our DNA and I think Jeremy and Anne came over in July and I think their visit um, with us was ever so helpful because they were able to reflect back what they saw well done, you're building here, you're doing this you're doing that, Um, how many people have you seen saved and although in our hearts it's been we want to see people saved very often you don't see that at the beginning of a church plant and so just having them stirring us and saying you know We've got to get this into the DNA. How are you going to do it? Has then led to us really praying into that. Can we do an alpha? Could we do an alpha? We know we don't have money to do an alpha. God, will you give us faith for an alpha? Because right now, we don't see how we can do an alpha. And that then has precipitated various things coming into place where we now are in a position where we, all all of us, um, are, yeah, we're just, we, we have faith that God will provide and, um, and we, venues are falling into place and all sorts of different things are coming into place in order to make it possible, people resource, etc. And so we are running an L for this term, even though um, it feels like, um, even though two months ago we had no plan to be running an alpha. So, but the importance, I think, for us of having that apostolic input And recognizing we need to get that missional aspect into our DNA right from the start. And so we've we've been working through a book in anticipation of this called Just Walk Across the Room on a Sunday, just equipping 
people with the confidence to invite friends to the Alpha Group. And, um, and last week we had our first non-Christian sign up to come on the Alpha course. So we're excited about that. Which is really good because the, the church has only just found out. So we're four or five weeks away from Alpha starting and we've already got our first sign up, our first guest signed up, which is amazing. I'm just going gonna to finish with um, focusing on developing a team and then we'll just open it up for some questions and uh, uh, just so that we make sure that we're able to focus on some of the things that people would like to know. Um, I think just importantly, hugely importantly, is, is the whole development of team. So we, had a, we re- recruited a bunch of folk who uh, were keen to come and join us in Vancouver and be part of things. Uh, of course, once we actually arrived on the ground, uh, it was just Sezi and I initially. Our first team members from the UK joined us in February, uh, so probably five months after we'd arrived. So, so initially, it was just gathering people and beginning to build with those who were there. Um, very quickly, team becomes necessary. And I think, obviously, team is a huge blessing. Um, carrying the load together, sharing responsibility, uh, the, the whole friendship element of that is so important in encouraging one another, uh, just even different people seeing different things. Team covers your blind spots. And so um, uh, we, we very quickly began to um, uh, ask people to carry bits of responsibility, just practical stuff. Can you help us with setting up the chairs? Can you help us with the kids' work? Can you help us with making sure that the setup is, is working? And, and it, you know, when we're able to put on a meeting on a Sunday, we're able to take that down, get, that, get all the stuff out of the building in time uh, so that we're having a good relationship with the, with the venue. And uh, we've seen people uh, really respond to that. Now, again, what is interesting is that sometimes you think, oh, this person will be great with that. And, and you, you give it to them and they don't do anything with it. And you, look at, you, you give something to someone else and they don't, they're not necessarily your obvious person for leading it. And you think, wow, you just made that happen. And great example of this, we have a lady who, uh, a wonderful woman called Doreen, who uh, has been outstanding leading our setup team. Uh, and uh, the more we've given her, the more she's just lapped it up and got on with stuff. She's been brilliant. So we're seeing a team emerging now, a small leadership team that we're beginning to um, uh, talk a lot more in terms of DNA, work with in terms of uh, how are we building, what's coming next and uh, developing that whole side of things. Um, Just to say momentum-wise, particularly for those of you who are leading church plants, momentum, I think, is really important. And and, uh, one of the things that we have done is I have looked at how are we building momentum very deliberately. Uh, I've looked at our social events. Our, uh, Our social events need to be helping us get new people engaged in the life of the church continually. Uh, but also, um, w- whenever I've found that there's someone that I, I trust in terms of speaking, I've said, can you come in and, and speak on a Sunday? Can, and I've made something of that. I've, I've used other speakers as high points, high point Sundays for us. And that has really helped us. Um, one of the things that we, we did over the summer is I was looking at the summer and just thinking, you know, uh, being a city, particularly a, a West Coast city, the tendency is that everyone disappears for the summer. And I was thinking, well, we're, we're, at the, we're sort of somewhere around the 35 to 45 mark now. If everyone disappears, we're going to really struggle through the summer. 
And so, um, just so happened we were able to get Jeremy and Anne out in July, and then we were able to get Sam Poe, one of the guys in the States, to come up and uh, be with us for a weekend, and then we were able to take a bunch of our guys down to uh, an event in the States, and so I used those events to build momentum. Now, the, the, the amazing thing is we've seen 50 to 60 people gathering on a Sunday, uh, and, and, and so we've seen growth happening through the summer. So for me, that's been a real key, is just managing our momentum, making sure that we are putting things into the diary. I'm continually asking, have we got something in the diary that people are looking forward to? Because I think that enables us to grow. Okay, I'm going to just stop there and um, give us uh, a chance to ask questions. Are there particular things that you guys, uh, in terms of either your experience or things that we've said that you'd like us to enunciate a little bit more or questions that we've not really touched. There are a number of other things.